Oh, I think you're muted. What's up, man? Hey, doing all How's right. How are you? Doing great. Doing great. Good. You're up uh, up early arguing this morning. I saw. <laughs> <laughs> Last night, well, you kicked the hornet's nest. <laughs> Having the audacity to claim that Norfolk Southern should be a little bit more liable than four million dollars for the damages they caused. What what madness are you <laughs> preaching, sir? I knew I was kicking the hornet's nest and I did an intentionally kind of extreme version of what I actually believe. <laughs> I uh I got it going, but looks like you're finishing it. You've got <laughs> Oh man. Well the the one guy who was going like, you know, hey man, like people who invested 401ks and then he was trying yeah. to do this whole like because i yeah. made the point like well no you can pick who you invest in but what do they invest what are they in it's like yeah 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 know. i mean there there is an element and i don't know if you want to start jumping into it or wait well, but maybe, yeah, maybe, well, well we can uh let's introduce what we're to people who may not be uh on okay. twitter and understand what we're talking about so let's welcome everybody to the lewis and lucas podcast i'm half your podcast lucas with me as always is Lewis, and Lewis, glad, you said you're doing glad good. Glad to be here. Yeah. Yes, I'm doing good. Fighting the good fight. Yeah. Um, yeah. So it came. Uh, it came out Norfolk Southern. That's the railroad who had that major derailment in East Palestine, Ohio. Uh, it came, there was news reported that they have given 4.9 million in direct payments to 3,000 households. Uh, Lewis tweeted and had and tagged me, so made sure to rope me into this. But I'm glad <laughs> this is a good conversation, though. But you tweeted, talking about Norfolk Southern, they should be sued until bankrupt. Then they should repeal limited liability and sue the stockholders that profited off their negligence for all the previous earnings. Yeah, yeah. Um, so... Uh... I was joking with you just a second ago that it was kind of intentionally an extreme version of what I do believe, but um, that's really just a biblical principle, right? So obviously if they have enough cash to properly pay for everyone, and what I mean by everybody, I mean fix the environmental issues, fix the issues in the river, fix farmland, anybody that lost money due to property values dropping off, do anybody, so like truly fix the situation and I would think that would be billions and billions and billions right. of dollars. I, I, I don't know how much that is, but I would think it'd be billions. They gave like obviously a ridiculously low amount of money so far, $4 million. Um, they need to pay everybody in full restitution because these are East Palestine is not uh, Bloomfield Hills, Michigan is not, um, you know, uh, the upper west side of new york or whatever this is this is a rural poor community these are people that should not suffer on behalf of a big corporation right yeah. they shouldn't they sh they should be properly paid back for everything and yeah. if there's medical issues that come out of this down the road there should be money put aside for that right this exactly. is a an inappropriate action that took place now, everything I'm saying, obviously, is contingent upon this actually being North Fork Southern's fault, and all the evidence so far shows that it is. But you know, if, well, if it turns so out to be somebody's fault, obviously, we could talk about that. Let, well, and let's talk about that a little bit, too, because I think that was something that people were – so And after Lewis tweeted that, there were a bunch of people that came on were like, that is an insane take, man, and we started arguing. Um I, I guess one of my questions is, you know, because you so you just said, like, we need to look and see where negligence lies. And I think some people. Um, the, we don't understand what these terms mean and, and what and, and as Christians, especially, we should really understand these things, because God in his law has explained what negligence, liability, all those what your personal responsibility is very clearly. So, uh, you know, maybe the. The secular atheist, whatever you know, they they wouldn't understand these things, but Christians should most certainly because we have God's word. But negligence doesn't mean that you have to prove malintent. So I don't, we don't have to prove that Norfolk Southern was trying to derail or trying to be reckless or anything. They have liability 
for whatever damages that they may cause, whether they have malintent or not, right? That's right. Yeah, yeah. So negligence would just be you weren't taking proper care, right? So you can get in trouble for negligence if you um, have zero intent whatsoever to actually harm somebody, but you're just reckless. Let's say driving down the road without your headlights on or whatever, and, and you kill someone because you're, you know, you're, you're being reckless or you're being just not paying enough attention. You know, we think of it with parents a lot of times where people, parents will get in trouble for negligence just by not watching their kid properly. Right. And the kid ends up getting killed or getting hurt in some way they can get in charge, get in trouble for negligence. And that's true under the law as well. So a corporation, let's say in the case of Norfolk Southern, let's say they, um, didn't maintain their trains. Let's say they didn't have the proper safety. Let's say they, they hadn't um, followed up on all the the um, the maintenance on their train, and that's what led to this. Um, there's no intent there. They weren't like, ha ha ha, let's you know blow up our train. They they just said, hey, let's save a little money by not hiring somebody to do the the maintenance checks, or they. You know, when they intentionally caught all these materials on fire to get rid of them, which sounds insane. I think they the weird term they're using is vent yeah. The, yeah. the the materials. When they did that, if that turns out to be a bad choice, which is sure seems like a bad choice to me, um, if that turns out to be a bad choice where they were like, Hey, let's let's get rid of this material quickly so that we don't get so it doesn't you know, there's no evidence, you know, kind of get rid of the evidence kind of situation. If they did that, even if they weren't like, ha, 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 let's poison the whole community, but it leaded, led to this poisoning, that's another example of negligence. So there's a lot of, you've, you're 100% right, that negligence doesn't mean that somebody in a back room was giggling and, and uh, you know, laying out a plan to destroy everybody. Yeah, exactly. It's... um. I'm trying to think of a way to kind of get because ultimately the reason Norfolk Southern happened, you could argue, is because limited liability exists, right? So different reports have come out about how the railroad industry as a whole has been lobbying Congress to help tailor to cut back on different safety requirements and safety regulations. You know, you had mentioned maintenance on the railroad tracks was kept at a higher degree before they were able to scale it back the regulations about that if that's the case right and but then you think like well why would a company you know no, nobody wants their train to blow up nobody wants a town to get nuked so why would they and and as we've argued before limited liability prompts people to not really care because their liability is you know limited if something goes wrong, yeah. So we could cut corners to make a buck. <clears throat> yeah, yeah. And the thing I point out in the article that I have on my Substack, LewisUnget.substack.com, is that um, because of limited liability, it encourages risk taking that you wouldn't otherwise do, right? So, what in my original comment that actually was a shot at limited liability because what limited liability does a lot of people don't understand this it doesn't mean norfolk southern doesn't have to pay the money although i bet they end up getting out of it somehow or at least not paying what they should um but in theory norfolk southern should have to pay you know as much as it takes to 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 pay this back um where limited liability comes in is that all they have to pay is what they have. So if, if Norfolk Southern goes bankrupt, um, that's it. You know, they, they go bankrupt. If you are, you, you're a person whose farm was destroyed or your, your uh, fishing pond in the back was destroyed, your property value dropped in half or whatever. Like if you're one of those people and they've already gone bankrupt, you're screwed. The, what limited liability does is it protects all the investors Right, so it protects all the people that made money off Norfolk Southern for years and years and years and years. Um, it says to them, "You only have to pay the value of your current stock." So, you know, let's 
an example would be, you know, for the last 10 years, I've been invested in Norfolk Southern. Um, they've paid out a million dollars in, in dividends and, and stock buybacks and that kind of stuff to me. So like I have a million dollars in my bank account as a result of Norfolk Southern. And they did that mostly by cutting corners, right? By cheap tracks and by poor maintenance and all that stuff. And as a result, they've been very profitable and I benefited and I've pulled that money out. It's no longer an investment for me. So my stocks, I might have some stocks, but most of the money is now in my swimming pool in my Rolls Royce that I have in my driveway and my addition that I built to my house, et cetera. Well, I, as an owner, am profiting off them doing reckless crap that eventually led to the you know mushroom bomb going off in uh, in East, East Palestine, Palestine yeah. right? Yeah, yeah. So, like, that's that's where limited liability really encourages bad behavior because, as an investor. To some degree or another, you want your companies taking risk, right? You don't want them doing it so bad that you lose your stocks right away. But like over a diversified portfolio, if one or two does a, a mushroom uh, explosion in East Palestine, you can live with it because you've got a whole uh, you know package of of uh, corporations that um, will return higher values by cutting those corners, right? So um, I gave math examples in my article, but like it's, it just incentivizes risky behavior on the part of corporations um, and not necessarily risky in the financial sense, but sometimes in like the moral sense where it's just like the, it just incentivizes corporations to view that um, as, you know, as pursuing profit, put everything else aside, pursue profit. Well, and as an investor, as an investor, you don't need to worry. My swimming pool that I got from Norfolk Southern, my addition, my Rolls Royce, none of those things can be touched because of limited liability. Yeah. So um, I can drive through East Palestine and look at the you know, Trump supporting people that I, you know, all these people that I look down on in my Rolls Royce and my swimming pool and say, Hey, sucks to be you guys. And maybe, you know, throw a, a couple of dollars out the window as I drive by and nobody can touch my stuff. Right. Like nobody can get it. That's unjust, right? It is unfair. And that's something that limited liability put into law. Right. So like, we've got a law that protects people in those situations. And that's what my objection is when it comes to limited liability is that it's, it's inherently unjust like it's it's mm -hmm. fundamentally unjust and and what the people you were arguing with pointed out and i i want to say i'm sympathetic to the fact that we've got a system that is very difficult very difficult to get through without moral compromises like it it it's we've we've built a system that demands all this all this um moral compromise to some degree or another and it's hard for people to get through that it's hard you know i think you can it's uh, people can but it's not easy right and really the you know so, so but but where they were pointing out, i was like hey i don't know who i invested that kind of stuff so i and you know i appreciate what you were saying but even with your statement if you take that money from one corporation that has limited liability into another corporation, sometimes you don't know who's taking the risks, right? Norfolk Southern two months ago may have seemed like the most moral company in the world. Who knows, right? So like it's they can hide those risks. And one of the creepy things about corporations is that they it's they pretend to be good. Like they pretend that's part of their gig, right? So that's the whole reason they donate. It's the whole reason they do these things is because it it's in their interest to pretend to be nice. It's like a sociopath, right? They're they're interested in money, but their goal is to pretend to be nice, right? And and that's the that's the creepy part about this whole well, thing. Well, and the other problem that is legal liability I th I think when you have these conversations with conservative Christians, they start to what they start to hear is um 
profit over people. And immediately their eyes glaze over. It's like, oh, this is socialist, liberal talk. This is liberal speak. You know, I, I'm a cons Christian conservative. I'm supposed to love capitalism and limited liability. Uh, we've tried very much, uh, you more so, to point out that limited liability does not equal capitalism. They're very different things. Limited liability is a more mo in many ways, it's the opposite of capitalism. Yeah. Like in many ways, it's a violation of kind of a pure laissez-faire capitalism. And it, the history of capitalism, you go back to mercantilism as capitalism started becoming a way for economies to be organized. There was a, a limited li liability concept that not really till the 19th century, right? Until we start codifying limited liability in the United States. I believe the, in the UK it was similar in 19th century. Before then, you know, you have you so you have 14th, 15th, 16th, 17th centuries of mercantilism, capitalism starting people being fully liable for their actions. If something went bad for their company, they they were responsible for it. That was just accepted and and there was no debate. Um lip yeah, limited yep. liability coming around, and like you were pointing out with with Norfolk Southern, if I'm a shareholder of Norfolk Southern, I'm not incentivized to make sure that everything's up to snuff, right? Like I just want there to be profit, you know. And I'm, I'm not really obligated to see if everything's good under the hood, you know, because because by no, yeah, especially if you're only if you only own. 1% of your portfolios Norfolk Southern, why would you waste your time looking into whether they have the right maintenance schedule? So there's no reason in the world that you would do that. If they go bankrupt, you lose 1% and who cares, right? Like, so for a diversified portfolio, it'd be one thing I, in my article, I kind of differentiate between um, partnership, small partnerships, sole proprietorships and, um, joint stock companies that have millions of owners because when you have millions of owners that all have maybe one percent of their thing they have zero interest and they're protected by limited liability they have zero interest to check the maintenance schedules on a train <laughs> like it's just the amount of work that would be involved there to protect my one percent on the you know, one out of a hundred chance they have a train accident. Like, why would I, why would I do that? Exactly. Um, now, are there other things about limited life? So, cause, cause one of the other objections to what we were saying was, well, then how would, how would investing even work if I can't contribute to that? Like there's a lot more things and and I and I'd like to yeah. get into that eventually, but like, is what else about limited liability should we we hit on before we get there? Yeah, I I mean I think fundamentally limited liability allows a lot of behaviors that were unintended consequences. Ironically, because that's ultimately what limited liability leads to is unintended consequences. But ironically, the unintended consequences of limited liability laws was to lead to all sorts of immoral sociopathic behaviors on the part of corporations. And um, so, yeah, I mean, really the one thing we didn't touch on is that, you know, when we talk about negligence and you talk about liability and you talk about what is just Exodus chapter 21 of scripture is the foundation, whether you're a Christian or not, like that's the foundation of liability laws in the West. And it clearly doesn't require intent on the part of the the owner of a so that passage for anybody that's not familiar it gives an example of what liability should be and it says if you own a, a bull for example or an ox and that bull goes and it gores somebody so you know it, it some innocent person's walking past your farm the bull goes and kills that person or seriously injures that person you have to be 100% liable for that, even if, you, even if you had no intention of that. Now, what it goes further than that, it says, like, once it's happened once and the bull has a reputation for that, if you don't put the right protections in place, 
then you end up getting punished as a criminal, right? So very well, strict punishment. You, so uh, and, capital punishment, actually, right? You so you're yes. you're yep. you know there's a problem and you ignore it. So you're you're actively engaging in the negligence, and then catastrophe strikes, capital punishment. Yeah, and it's clear from that passage that it's the owner. Okay, so if you had a farm in the ancient Near East, you might have a manager, you might have a foreman, you might have a slave, you might have somebody else that's in charge of that bull, right? They don't say the manager is in trouble. The foreman is trouble. They say the owner is in trouble. The person that was profiting from that bull is in trouble. And in the case of stock holding and in the case of, of corporations, we often say, oh, the managers at, you know, the CEO at, at, of, of Norfolk Southern should be in trouble. You know, we should get those guys, you know, the, the people running those corporations. And I agree, like some of them criminal bad people. But the liability should go to the owner. And in the case of a joint stock company that has tons of owners, millions of owners maybe, all those owners should pay some share to get the financial to pay off the poor people that got their farm destroyed or whatever. Like, so I shouldn't, my farm shouldn't be destroyed because Lucas wants a slightly bigger 401k. Right. Like that. It's not fair for Lucas to get a bigger 401k while I get my farm destroyed. And so really getting rid of the limit of liability would strike a giant blow at the corporate system, which I understand would be painful, but I think we could get through it. Um, but it's it's the only real just way to set up a society. It's the only real just way. And to your point, this is the way. This is God's law. This is He has told us what liability is. Um, we, we should take heed <laughs> and and do it. Um, and so then, so what you're saying about. Like, okay, so people who through their 401k or whatever, they're they technically are owners of these companies, right? So then like, well then how would how would I invest? Like, how am I gonna make my retirement, whatever? Like I, I wanna have that conversation. Yeah. Because there's there's Yeah, so so I would say like it is that's a very tough question right now in America. Just because we've set up laws, the government has set up laws. The crazy thing about the enablement of corporations is it started with the limited liability laws, but there are so many laws now that benefit corporations. And a lot of the investment laws that we have encourage people to put their money in 401ks, encourage people to put their money in IRAs, encourage people to, to um, you know, if you're working for a corporation, a lot of times the corporation's like, hey, you, you invest in our company, we'll give you 25% off the stock price or whatever. And so- or a lot of corporations will just give you their stock, right? Like that's one of the ways that you do it. And so if you're a, in an inflationary environment like we're in and you're you know, middle class and you've got a couple kids in private school or whatever, it's hard for you to say, you know what? I'm just going to opt out of this system. And I'm going to just you know, like it's it. We, we've built a system that makes it incredibly hard for people. And um, now I, I'll let's pretend for a second. And these are one of the things I try to do. And I know you try to do is talk big ideas of where we should go. Right. And I'm not saying this will happen tomorrow. It's kind of the whole national divorce thing that's going on on Twitter. That's like a big idea. Maybe we'll get there. Maybe we won't, but it's, it's a, a big conversation that I think we should start thinking about. And I think this limited liability is one of those where, probably not going to get there tomorrow or, or not. But I think in, if you, you mentioned the fact that we've had a form of capitalism for hundreds of years, I would argue going all the way back to a thousand AD that the, the, uh, the um, Italians started kind of a, a proto capitalistic system and the, the corporations so we look around, you drive to work and, and you, you see billboard corporation, you know, you get in your car, this is by Ford Motor Company, you turn on the radio and it's iHeartRadio and you turn on, you know, you, you stop at Speedway and like your entire life, you like you touch corporations 
from the moment you wake up to the moment you go to bed. That simply wasn't the case 150 years ago. Like 150 years ago, almost everything that you touched was built by a small business or a sole proprietorship. Or, you know, even if it was a big business, it probably wasn't a corporation. It was probably just a dude that was very successful in his business. And um, so you say, okay, well, how did people 150 years ago, if corporations weren't really a thing, how did corporations or how did people 150 years ago plan for retirement? Um, well, there's a lot of things people did, right? So there's the one thing that is an awesome way to prepare for retirement is to build your own business, right? So like if you have a uh, bakery um, and you buy the ovens and you buy the, um, you know, the, the building for the bakery and you build a brand and you get a nice location and you build all this up and you're making decent money by the time you retire, you can then sell that, that business that you've built to a young 25-year-old and get a million dollars from that sale, and you've got retirement money. Well, right? let's, like that's let, a, let's it, take that example a little. So, yeah, you you built up a bakery, whatever, and you you could sell it to some other young buck that wants to take it, or maybe your kids, right? So, like you use, so you sell it to them, and then the proceeds of that sale is now what you're using for retirement. So you said a million dollars. Maybe that person doesn't have a million dollars. So what are they going to do? They're going to go to their local bank. The local bank <clears throat> is going to finance it, right? So they're put up the cash and they're earning uh, pros they're earning interest from the loan that they had made. And where did they get that money to finance? Because of people investing in their local banks. So there, there's now here we have a small but a complex system. We don't need international mega corporations for a small community to build a financially um, sophisticated mode of wealth building. You you can do it, and that's and to your point, that's what we did two hundred plus years ago. We were doing exactly that. Yeah, it's not like people, not like people didn't retire in the old days. Like people retired. Like they just had they had a different system to do it. So you say you can save cash over time. And if the bank returns interest, now we live in the stupid environment where the federal reserve is intentionally tanking interests. And like, there's all kinds of weird situations, but um, in an ideal world, you like the, the, the ecosystem or the uh, environment is exactly what you were talking about, where you've got a bank that provides return on interest. You can save money. So that's, that's, in the old days, that was a very simple way that a lot of people were able to retire. It's just they would they'd get a couple percent on their on their um, savings, and they'd save money over the course of their life. And then maybe they'd have some property and stuff they could sell. Um, you know, you could invest in property, you can invest in in land, you can invest in buildings. You know, so and th there was a lot of ways that people invested that didn't involve. Um, being one of a million investors in Norfolk. Exactly. Centers. And there's plus there's the stock market is not the only game in town. The bond market, which I would argue the bond market is vastly more important than the stock market. It's far more liquid, far more bigger. So like people who are like, well, I don't, I'm not going to own my own business. So what you're saying doesn't make sense. Well, you could be investing in the local bank, like we talked about, but, but the bond market, you can go uh, save your money in bonds that are accruing interest over time. And the great thing about bonds, yeah. when the company goes bankrupt, you're not an owner of the company, so you're out of luck. You, they, you're at part of the bankrupt's proceedings. You're one of the first people that get paid because you're a bondholder. Uh, there's currency markets, right? One of, that's the largest market in the world where people, all these countries interacting with each other and they need liquidity to make these transactions happen. You can invest in currency markets you, and get a return for the capital that you're giving to, that provides liquidity for the international marketplace. There's commodity markets. There's futures markets. There, there's all kinds of ways to invest your money. You don't have to like, well, 401k and stocks, man, that's... No, 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 no. There's, there's, yeah. And, yeah, yeah. and they're not, they're not that hard to access. Um, they're, they're, 
Yeah, and and that's the weird thing. Like we've set up a society where people feel like stocks are the only way to go. People feel like big corporations are the only way to go. And I think my point with all this is like let's rethink that, right? So like that's admittedly that was a little bit of a trollish comment on my side, but like I I I feel like we need to that's the direction we all need to realize we're going. And like, I, I think until, until we do that, I, I mean, you're going to continue to get a lot we're of gonna, what we've got. Exactly. So, so, yeah. so the, like limited liability is the root issue, right? It's what's frustrating is so people kind of intuitively know that this is a problem. You have people on the left who say that we need the, the solution is more regulations, more government and everything. You have people on the right who say, no, 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 it's we already have too much government. If in fact, if we there, these problems wouldn't occur unless there we didn't have all the government that we have. Uh, nobody's talking about limited liability being the problem. That's the root issue. Yeah, and it would solve yeah. both you know both the left and the right. They they kind of see the problem. They're not really talking about the solution. Yeah, it also honestly would solve a lot of problems with banks too. Where um, you know people say, "Well, you know, banks are loaning too much money." You know, they're you know, if you remember, too big to fail back in two thousand eight, two thousand nine, or whatever, um, where the government had to bail out banks, and the government's constantly bailing. You know, they've got all this insurance. You know, the FDIC insured accounts that everybody has, that kind of thing. A lot of that's because of limited liability where like the the bank doesn't have to worry about loaning out too much money, right? They don't have to worry about um they don't have to worry about the uh you know a bank collapse or whatever. I mean they do in the sense that they would lose their jobs, the managers would lose their jobs, that kind of thing. But they don't in the sense that nobody's gonna go after their bonuses that were paid out before well, right and, and nobody's going to go after the investors um in those banks so like there's a um limited liability helps facilitate very bad behavior on the part of banks as well where like if you were a bank and you were like oh if we go bankrupt they're going to come after our profits that we already paid out we paid out to investors we paid out to bonuses we paid you know like if we're in in the case of um, you know, limited liability is protecting. You know, if you you screw Lucas has a million dollars in the bank as not insured, you know, and the bank goes bankrupt, you're just screwed for that million dollars. But in reality, somebody profited off that million dollars, right? Like you, you know, your uh, the bank stockholders did, the bank salespeople did, or whatever. Some somebody did, and wherever that money is, wherever it went, somebody should have to pay it back. Um to you if they can. Yep. Right. And that's kind of that. That's the principle of, of limit of removing limited liability is like whoever made a profit off of taking Lucas's million dollars and losing it should have to pay back that money. I I can't remember. Maybe you shared this or I got, but somebody shared a paper about banks and limited liability in the United States. I didn't realize that there were actually a couple of States uh, California included that had unlimited liability for banks up through into the 20th century. Meaning you sat yeah. on the board of that bank and you screw something up for the customers, the depositors, whatever you lose the depositors money. You have unlimited liability. You will, they will take everything from you. So did that maybe yeah. prompt the shareholder the, to pay a lot of attention, make sure they were, making good investments absolutely yeah yep and i i think that's awesome and i I wish we still had that but you know we're we're in this weird situation where like the too big to fail thing is a great example where you had companies that paid out giant bonuses in 2006 2007 2008 they returned giant benefits to their stockholders they like they were very successful. And then when late 2008, 2009, 2010 happened and the bottom fell out, everything's collapsed. They're having to beg the government to give them billions of dollars. 
they never went back and like took those they were, profits. They were still they giving never bon- went back after they and, got bailed yeah. out. They were still giving bonuses. Yeah, yeah. It's I mean it's it, it's criminal, criminal what they do, and yet here we are. Like we just we all just accepted of like oh limited liability. Yeah, yeah. like it's you know like it's it totally makes sense and. Um, and I, you know, I'll say the pushback is that, um, you know, people will say, well, wait a second, my little you know, bakery is limited liability, right? I've, I've paid for limited, you know, I, I went out and filed for limited liability on my bank bakery, you know, like a sole proprietor has limited liability on their, on their little operation. I'll say the, the big difference between those two situations is that in the case of a bakery and it's a sole proprietor, one or two owners, um, a giant part of their wealth is tied up in that business. Um, so I would argue it's not just in that situation either, but it's a lot closer to no, no limited liability because they're still ruined as a person, right? In most cases, like they're still and, like they, they still end up having to give up their entire life's work or well, whatever through, through this that is corporation. a very important distinction not all limited liability is the same the giant corporations enjoy a much more liberal a much more open sort of limited liability that the sole proprietor the local bakery does not enjoy yeah well um speak to that a little bit i, I don't know if i know well, all the so differences I, there um because big corporations, they're big, they're lawyers, they're, they, if something goes wrong, right? So, okay, so if I, um, my local bakery blows up and I destroy downtown, whatever, right? They're taking everything from me, even though my bakery has limited liability, right? Like, they're, I, I'm ruined. That Like, they're going to take everything from me. Norfolk Southern is relative to their total net worth doesn't matter what the damage is that they did right like the billions and billions of dollars that they've probably caused in their damages at the end of the day you as you and i are very confident that when this all ends up shaking out they will pay a small pittance relative to the damages that they caused so the small bakery and we we see this time and again like people especially entrepreneurs will tell me like look I hear what you're saying about limited liability, but the idea that my liability is no longer limited really scares me, and I, you know, I I need it. But it doesn't give you as much protection as it does these giant corporations. They, yeah, uh, it, it it it's it's not the same thing. It's it's not the same thing at all. They would they would ruin somebody, yeah. a local nobody who caused a lot of damage. They would ruin that person. Norfolk Southern gets to, you know, keep, you know, they'll have their next earnings call and, you know, yep, we've had, to, we we're probably going to have to pay this much. Uh, we, you know, we're going to take, take it, take it care, take care of it and keep the trains rolling. We're going to no what, the, what they'll do is they'll say, we're going to lay off 30,000 blue collar workers. It's <laughs> the, that's what they'll do is they, it, the guys in the suits will be like, this sucks. We're we got sorry, we got to make the hard decisions. You're all laid yeah. off. Like all the blue collar workers are laid off. You know, we're not going to give up our jobs, of course. But uh, you know, it's it's yeah, we made the hard decisions uh, to to uh. cost you that. But I will say, even on the small business, when people push back and they say, "Well, you know, I shouldn't, you know, I shouldn't have unlimited liability," I will say, Exodus chapter twenty one. It's like a small business owner, right? Like it's, it's a guy and a bull and the bull kills somebody. He's, he's liable for that. And I, I think if you, you run a bakery and you poison a bunch of people, you should be liable for that. Right. Like it's ultimately, I don't, I, you know, I don't think there's, um, I don't think it's fair to limit liability in that situation either. Although like, like you said, like it's, it is a lot different between that and a big corporation, you're so much more of your wealth, so much more of you is tied up. The other thing is like, we do go after negligence of managers within corporations, right? So like if a manager accidentally poisons a bunch of people, we can throw that guy in prison. Like if you remember from Enron, we did throw Ken Lay in prison 
Um, so you, you can throw managers in prison. You just can't throw the owners in prison. But in bakeries or a small business, a lot of times the manager and the owner are the same guy. So like if, you know, if I'm a bakery owner and I, by negligence, end up hurting a bunch of people, I can get thrown in prison for that as the manager, not as the owner, but as the manager, I can get thrown in prison. And so in some ways it like, it eliminates a lot of the limited liability in that case. Not all of that. It, uh, but, that guy's you know, out of prison. It's, now. it's, a, it's different. The Enron guy that Which, went to prison. Yeah. Oh, is he? he? Did his okay. 20... Well, I think Ken, isn't Ken Lay dead? So There's, Ken Lay died right before right he was now. supposed to go to prison. He died. But then the right, man, the right. guy, the manager, and I think the reason they got him was because he was lying to federal. Like he, they actually like caught him lying about what they were doing. Like if he, if he had just been honest with the federal authorities when they came busting through the door, he wouldn't have, you know, like the company would have paid whatever fines and he wouldn't have to go to jail for twenty years. But like. They're, I don't know. I've seen like some documentaries I've seen about Enron. Like if, what they were doing was really crazy. Which again, they never would have been able to get to that what they were doing had not limited liability helped pave the way for them to s- skirt what. There's and there's no way they would either. Like if they just like knew, like if they knew that all of the money they were making, they someone would come after that. All the profit and like they just see that way in the world they would have taken those chances that because their liability is limited whatever money i'm stealing i know at the you know maybe i'll pay something i'll get have to give some of it back but i'm not going to give all of it back and this is what they know this and this is what motivates them to keep going because at the end of the day yeah they'll give some of it back maybe 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 or maybe they can grease the right palms and they just keep. Yeah, keep but on the going. St- stockholders that aren't managing the company don't have to pay anything back. No, nope. right? Like if I, I can profit off Enron for twenty years and become very wealthy, and I don't have to pay all I lose when bank when Enron goes bankrupt is the value of whatever stock I still have. That's it. And if yep. I lucked out and sold my stock ahead of time, I lose zero. But even even so, you know, if I if I pull out a million dollars of Enron stock before you know over the years and and build my house, build my swimming pool, Bentley, all that stuff, like don't pay anything back, and that's that's the thing. So then, uh, I I and I do want to quickly touch on this because so I work in the insurance industry. I'm an insurance broker because some people might be listening to this, be like, okay, I would I would not want to be an entrepreneur in this Christian nationalist, no limited liability world that you're describing. That's that's terrifying because I'd be liable for everything. Yes, and because of the genius of capitalism, we have products that help you with that. So you can shift your risk. You can pay an insurance carrier to assume that risk for you. You pay them a premium. Like I, one of the things I love about my job is a lot of really cool nonprofit. Um, because when you're part of a nonprofit, you sit on the board of a nonprofit. People don't realize this. Depending on your state's laws, if that nonprofit does something really bad, you your personal assets could be liable. So there, see, there you go. Limited liability is not is not equal across the board here. So what would you what could help protect you? Having nonprofit directors and officers liability insurance. It's very cheap. And if in the event of a claim, right, so the insurance carrier, right, they have their mathematicians, they call them actuaries, they re- are constantly reviewing losses ac- across the United States. They like they know they can help predict with some relative accuracy what they have to pay in or in claims every year. So then they okay, if I charge this much in premium, so you pay them to assume the risk for you. So then if something bad happens, you're, you have protection, yeah. not because your liability is limited, because you made a fair transaction with somebody who reviewed your company and assumed that risk on your behalf. So then they co- yep. because of co- contractual obligations, they come in, they fix the problem, they assume if, if they have to indemnify somebody that you hurt, then they have to, according to the law. In, insurance... You know, somebody once described to me insurance. 
really is the if you think of the American capitalism as this machine, insurance is the grease for that machine to work. So if something bad happens, insurance can come in and fill those gaps because that's what they do. They assume you yeah. pay them to assume and the, the risk. And the difference between um, insurance and limited liability, there's a couple of big differences. One is that nobody gets screwed at the end, right? Like it, you, 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 the insurance fully pays out what it takes to fix the problem. Um, and then number two, the other big thing is that unlike with like a stockholder where I said, like, you'd be insane as a stockholder of, you know, 1% of your portfolio of Norfolk Southern to be out on the tracks, like inspecting them and making sure that they're maintaining their, their systems and stuff. Just as a, as a individual stockholder, there's no reason to do that. But as an insurance company, they do do that stuff, right? They do make sure like, yes, um, you know, they, like they, they, say you know hey when was this updated when was this checked are you you know are the workers on the line wearing glasses to make sure their eyes don't get you know like they they go through those things because they know that companies do cut corners and they are there to try and help prevent those companies from cutting corners exactly and, insurance carriers don't want to write insurance for someone who is actively engaging in negligence so they so right. you know you're like well i don't have the capacity to like insurance carriers do that so like that, that it, I think maybe in the future we could have a larger conversation about all the really cool things that capitalism produces. Because I don't I, even uh, uber libertarians who are like limited liability is part of the package, man. We had like there's so many cool things that capitalism produces where we don't need limited liability, and that doesn't mean that. Oh, I bake. You know, I'm a baker, and I bake one bad batch of cookies, and now I'm, you know, I'm in the poorhouse. Like, there's there's so many cool things that capitalism produces where this is not how things have to be. Local economy, right. like, you know, people hate how Walmart and Amazon has destroyed. Like, those things. If limited liability didn't exist, those th I I don't believe that those mega corporations could exist imagine trying to be a giant mega corporation with that full understanding of there's you have unlimited liability right um maybe people would say like, well imagine being a stockholder and investing in a, a mega corporation and having unlimited liability like it, as a stockholder you would think twice right like would you want to invest in norfolk southern if you knew, you know, it upside for you might be a couple thousand dollars over the course of your life, maybe. But downside, I mean, in theory, if they have a, a mushroom cloud pop up over Ohio, you know, downside, you could be personally paying a bunch of money out of your own wallet. Like in the end, you might decide to invest your money elsewhere. Right. So like it, it I think getting rid of limited liability, limited liability is how we got so many corporations not all of them there were corporations before that a few like east india um uh corporation was was around before that but by the way they ended up blowing up you know all kinds of problems and had their liability limited in the end of the day but like there there's yep. um big corporations really need limited liability to, to go public and to do all that stuff. But bakeries don't like, you don't need limited liability to be a baker or a candlestick maker. You just don't. And I, I work in insurance. One of the things we do is product liability. So I'll get an application from somebody that application will ask for all the different controls that they use. Right. So the underwriter uses that information to determine if the controls are in, in proper place, they understand the product. So then they they can for the, for this amount of money, I will assume your product liability. So okay, they purchase they ha they have a con contract that insurance policy. If something happens, they get sued over their product. Guess what? I have a product liability policy. Now that carrier comes in. So like the, the insurance and people are like well then because insurance you know what they do is they force you to pay a ton of money for insurance policies that don't really do anything. 
I, and I know we're running out of time and I, and I am a insurance broker. So I, I feel very much certain ways about the insurance industry and how, yeah. it, how it's, there's, it's definitely cases of bad intentions and negligence. Right. But if you have a good insurance agent, they're not going to let that happen. They're not going to allow an insurance carrier to just not pay a claim. Right. So the right. insurance agent that got a commission from selling you that insurance policy, they're uh, incentivized to make sure that that policy works when you have a claim. Otherwise, why would anybody buy an insurance policy through you? Right. So there's yeah. it's it's naturally incentivized to work. Right. Um, yeah. Yeah. There, there's just there's just and the way that insurance companies get because like people don't realize there's a ton of insurance companies out there who are all competing for your business to offer you the best terms at the most competitive price. It, uh, yeah. Sometimes the way insurance companies get started is because there's a liability, there's a risk, there's a new risk that somebody finds and nobody wants to assume it. There was, I can't remember the name of the company, but there was this guy that he really into hot air balloons, right? And that's a whole community of people who have their own hot air balloons. So this guy tried to get insurance for his hot air balloon, right? Some liability if he lands on somebody's house or, you know, damp, damp, if he hurts himself, can somebody pay his bill? Like all, all those things. Well, nobody sure. wanted to assume that risk. Nobody wanted to write insurance policy for it. So what did he do? He started his own insurance company. So he pool, went pooled together with other hot air balloon aficionados, and they formed – They so they pooled their money together. So everybody pays a premium. So there's a pool of money. If something happens to somebody, here's the money set aside for helping that person – with whatever liability. So like, uh, again, there's just, um, and that's just an example of all the many different ways that we can figure out risk together in a capitalist society without limited liability. You don't need it. Yeah. Yep. Uh, that is great points. And the insurance side of things is just uh, such an important aspect that a lot of people don't think of. So, um, but yeah, I mean, getting back to the Norfolk Southern thing, like, it's um it is a great example of where the current system has led us um and it's certainly not a standalone example um it's just it's one of so many examples we touched on the banks we touched on um uh previous scams like Enron we touched on, you know, like there's, there's been so many examples of this. Um, the thing I, and I'll, um, I'll post this on, I'll repost that article on my Twitter, but I also point out just like it, it allows a separation between owners and managers that leads to all kinds of other things. Um, so the, the thing that I, I pointed out, you know, if you think about Lucas is bakery, right? So you own a bakery. Um, and I come and I say, hey, would you like to bake a cake celebrating abortion or whatever? Um, you would say, no, thank you. Um, I would not, right? Um, or it, would you like to celebrate, you know, whatever. It's something that you were morally um, opposed to. Um you would you would say no because you're a human being and you have a variety of views. You're a Christian. You get you know, a, you know a reputation in the community, a reputation with your kids, etc. You wouldn't want to do that. Or if I said, "Hey, Lucas, we could sell a lot more loaves of bread if we got this scantily clad model and we had her stroll down the street selling those those loaves of bread, wouldn't that be great?" Like you would say, "Well, you know, my wife wouldn't like that too much, and like <laughs> right. I, I think I'm not going to do it." Right? So, like you, you're a human being. You have that what happens with limited liability is it separates the owners and the managers to the point where the managers don't know the owners. Like they don't know as a manager, I could be the CEO and I might know some major stockholders. I might know, but 
even like Vanguard, which by the way is not really a stockholder because they're in turn holding stocks for a bunch of other people. So it's, you know, the people will say, well, Vanguard was 10% of that company and it doesn't really, but it, so even, even if you know the CEO of Vanguard, maybe, you know, Warren Buffett, a lot of times that adds up to like 20% of your business. So you don't know like all your owners of your business. Cause a lot of it's just like individual investors like you and me. Um, so what do you know? Like when, when, Someone comes and they come to you and they say, hey, would you like this scantily clad woman to walk down the street to sell more bread? Well, you don't know if the owner would like that or wouldn't like that, right? Like you don't know if the owner, you know, maybe the owner is into that kind of stuff and maybe that he would do that or maybe he's not. Um, on the abortion thing, you don't know if your owner is pro-life or you're pro, pro-abortion. Well, so as a, as, an, as a manager, what do you know about your owner? You only know, really only know one thing about the million owners that you have is that they're looking at their Robinhood app or their um, E-Trade or their Fidelity or whatever. And they're looking at the line. Is it going up or is it going down? So, right. So in that case, if you're a manager, you say, you say like, yeah, the scantily clad woman will make that line go up. Let's do it. And, and that's where you get a, a giant moral problem in society where you've got, Stuff that nobody individually would want, corporations doing, right? you got corporations that are clearly degrading the morals, the ethics, um, the, the society as a whole, and they're doing it on behalf of owners that wouldn't want them to do it. But because of limited liability that it provides that separation, you know, it's just um, – it's a reality of the situation. So a lot of the badness in society is caused by that as well. I'm sorry. I, that was a long, long rant. Go ahead. Oh, you're muted. So that, thank you. <laughs> um, so I, I uh, no, that that's perfect because actually the Southern Baptist Convention is dealing with this exact problem right now. They are using a company called Guideposts to help them there as they're dealing with sexual assault allegations and things of different pastors who are affiliated with the Southern Baptist Convention. Well, Guideposts is this big company and they posted some lgbtq stuff so a bunch of southern baptist pastors are like are we are we really using a company that and the company said look has told them privately from people who have been tweeting about it that when they talked to guideposts apparently they were like look we just you know we we kind of have it's one we have to do we're, we're a corporation we have to promote those types of things but we'll we'll back off of those messages because we're working with you so their their tweets are still up they haven't been posting more LGBTQ stuff, whatever. So then people are like, ah, I mean, you know, what are you going to do? You know, what do you, what, you, what do you want them to do? You know, they're just, you know, they, they live in the 20, 21st century. You know, you got to, you got to, you got to kiss the ring. You got to, you know, give Caesar his due, yeah, right? Yeah. Yep. <laughs> yeah. And, and so, so much of that is that whole idea. So what, what you end up getting is you get managers that have something called fiduciary responsibility which is means their job is to return profits to the best of their ability to return profits to their stockholders. Um, so with your fiduciary responsibility, in theory, it's illegal to say no based on moral grounds. Now the, the system as a whole doesn't say that, that kind of thing, but like in theory, if there's a chance for you to make more profit doing something, and you pass it up, and when they say, why did you pass it up, if your answer is not a business answer, in theory, that's illegal. Now, it's hard to enforce, et cetera, but in theory, it's illegal for me to but say... You, but you will get sued for that. You will get sued yeah. for that. Um, yeah. People, uh, CEOs will get sued. So, like, if they, like, if I make a giant offer for your company, right? And you don't take it, whatever the shareholders can sue the seat, the management for not for failing to take because of what you're talking about, the fiduciary responsibility. responsibility. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, yeah. Yeah. So in, in theory, let's say, let's go back to that bakery and the scantily clad woman. Um, let's say that was a slam dunk. Let's say we knew, you know, we have a big, we, run wonder bread or whatever. I don't know what a big corporation is that, you know, but like we've got this giant corporation. Um, and let's say we've got a slam dunk 
that we run this cam this ad campaign and we double stockholder value for everybody. And I say, well, my wife wouldn't like it. They say, well, thank you for your service. You're fired. Exactly. Because we, we need some, this, we all have a fiduciary responsibility. We need someone that's willing to return stockholder value. And so that's where like, there's the, there's a degradation of societal morals that almost inevitably takes place as a, this is like two dominoes away from limited liability, but limited liability enables big corporations that enable enables um, evil st- st- stockholders to be separated from their managers to like ultimately leads to managers who might be nice guys saying, yeah, I'm going to ship all the jobs to China. And you say, well, why are you shipping the jobs to China? And you're like, I thought you were like an America first guy. And he says, well, I kind of am, but like, I'd get fired if I didn't. I've got a fiduciary responsibility, so that's what I'm going to do. And like, it's like, wait a second. Like The people running the company are doing – and it may be, in theory, that 100% of the stockholders don't want those jobs shipped to China either. So like, it's not necessarily what the stockholders want. Probably not what the stockholders want, at least a lot of them. Um, it's not what the manager wants, and yet you're doing it. Why are you doing it? You're doing it purely for profit. So it, that's where I talk about these companies being sociopathic. That sounds like, oh, he's you know a socialist or whatever, and he's like hates corporations, you know, like hates businesses. And no, it's like literally they become sociopathic. A sociopath is someone that doesn't have a sense of moral guidance, and they are self-interested to a point where they're willing to do what it takes to achieve what they need to achieve. And, and so the, and the, that system, that incentivizing psychopathic behavior would not exist if we did not go away from God's law and limit liability. You wouldn't have otherwise moral people making those types of decisions. Wholeheartedly agree. Um, yeah. We are at an hour. Um, I, you, you had written about limited liability before in a previous book, and I know you're, uh, making a second edition here uh, very timely, I think, because we need to have, a, there needs to be a larger conversation about limited liability. Yeah. It's one of those big things that I think is nobody knows about. And like you said, a lot of times conservatives are on the wrong side of where like a, I'll post something like that. And I look at all the people that liked it. I'll get, you know, 50 likes or whatever. And like, I'll click on likes and they're all from the left. They're socialists that are like, agreeing with me, which is fine. Like, I'm glad, glad they are. But really, like you said, it's a biblical principle. You know, if you're a Christian and you're a supporter of like, that's, it's not anti-capitalist. It's, right. It's, you know, it's, it's a biblical principle about who is responsible when things go south. And, and yep. it's, it's a very clear one too. Like, it, very you know, read, go, go read, Exodus chapter 21, I think it's verses 30 which, through the end of the chapter or whatever. It's, which if you, if you looked at my pinned tweet where I talk about where our Western law is built is li- literally built like when King Alfred the Great built the Doom Book, which became the English common law, the first part, the, the prologue is a translation of Exodus chapters 20 and 21. That's, that's what he uses. He created English law with his advisors through the lens of biblical mosaic law. So it's, it's just a historical. Yeah, a, lot, a lot of people don't realize we our our legal system was adopted from the English. So it all goes back to exactly what Lucas is talking about. I mean, it's been a, um, an evolution from there. Um, but American law is very much based on the English common law. Yep. Which itself mosaic law. So uh, like subscribe, you know, we're here every Saturday morning. Um, well, you know, unless we're taking, taking much needed breaks. Or like we, we <laughs> yeah. wage some Saturday mornings, we wage <laughs> most Saturday mornings. We wage the wars that nobody else wants to wage the war against limited liability. You heard it here first folks. When, when your grandchildren yeah, yeah. ask you about the, how did we get, get rid of the scourge of limited liability? How did that start? Lewis and Lucas podcast. Yeah, yeah. I um <laughs> I was I was talking to somebody the other day about like building an audience for a podcast that kind of stuff and they they mentioned uh they mentioned the fact that um you know knowing 
kind of what drives the algorithm. And I'm like, we kind of do the exact opposite of what drives the algorithm. <laughs> we have long-form conversations about topics that nobody cares about. Right. Yes. <laughs> so we're anti-algorithm. <laughs> Maybe one day we'll, we'll, we'll come around, but um, yeah. thanks everybody. Like, subscribe. Um, Lewis, anything to plug before we shut her down? No, buy my book, uh, Return of the Dragon. Uh, yep. search, search for that. It's about psychedelics and why they're very concerning. So check check that out. And this article, it's in the archives on my Substack. So if you're interested in reading um, about limited liability and getting some of the math, that's on lewisungit.substack.com. Um, and you can get the get the details there. There you go. And hey, if you have a second to chat on the Zoom after we close the space, Lewis, um, I don't know how much time you have left, but. Um, yep, sounds good. Cool. All right. Thanks, everybody. See All you right. next time. Thanks, everybody. All right. Bye-bye. Yeah.